you know, it's an honor to be here. It's an honor to be a part of a, a great weekend, great players, but that is the worst basketball game ever played. How do you fix it? Uh, I don't know if you can fix it. I mean, I give Joel and B, Kyrie Irving, those guys were like competing. Joel was imploring some of the guys to play harder, to try to get some defense in, but um, no one got hurt. They put on a show for the fans, but that, that is a tough team to sit through. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to the All Things Basketball podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always. And before I get to the episode, I just want to give you guys a quick update. Last week was a busy one for me. If you didn't read the show notes on the last episode, obviously I was sick, but it was also Valentine's Day. It was my mom's birthday. Uh, You know, just a bunch of things all mixed in uh, last week. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed the mini All-Star Draft episode I did with Mario, which was just the last episode that I put out. Uh, I did a top 15 player ladder video on the YouTube channel, which I did put on the show notes uh, for that last episode, but I'm going to drop it on this one as well. uh, For those of you that haven't seen it, quick update on the YouTube channel, 275 subscribers, which is a big jump for me. The LeBron video I posted just 13 days ago has over 28,000 views, which is crazy, right? Thanks to everyone that checked it out, though. I couldn't even imagine seeing the video get that big, but it did. And it just keeps on growing, right? The subs keep coming. You know, the views keep rolling up on that video. Uh, the, the YouTube channel has quickly grown, you know, faster than I thought it would, to be honest with you. You know, I'm definitely enjoying making videos. So hopefully you guys have been checking those out. If not, if you guys just enjoy the pod, that's cool as well. Uh, but just giving you guys a quick update outside of the podcast world. But quick All-Star Weekend thoughts. As you know, obviously it's Monday and... Everyone's talking about this, right? Maybe different things about the All-Star Weekend, but I'm going to get right into it. So, All-Star pregame was a massive drag, okay? It was way too long. The whole player draft on stage was way too extra. Why couldn't they just make the picks on the court and just play the game, right? Like, they said they said it was going to be a pickup game vibe, right? So, if that was the case, then these guys should be on the court, waiting to get picked and then immediately start playing but no instead there's this whole you know draft on stage and LeBron's cracking jokes Giannis is trying to crack jokes the jokes aren't even funny you're looking at the players sitting on their seats and you know they kind of look annoyed bored like they're just trying to get on with it as were the viewers because I got uh, a bunch of texts from people I know telling me man this 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 is not it (laughs) right like this is just this is just not good You know, I I don't know what, I mean, you know, you hear everything, you know, oh, they're going to pick the players the same day. And I start thinking, so how the hell are they going to have a practice? They don't even know who their teammates are. Also, for betting purposes, how can you properly uh, evaluate uh, the team you want to bet on? If, uh, if you don't even know the roster until like the very last moment, uh, I don't really know how all that works, but you know, it was just a drag, right? I don't even think, I think it was like, I think the game started at like 845 or something like that. Um, maybe even nine o'clock or maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I definitely know it was like 830 and the game still wasn't on, you know, all of this crap for a game that one doesn't even count and two the players don't even care about it flat out I mean you could see that um, but I'll get right into that so you know the game itself obviously still not competitive the halftime show was awful okay it was super boring 
this is the NBA. Okay, this is the All-Star Weekend. Can we get some real stars from the music industry to perform? How much money do fans spend every single night, especially to go to All-Star Weekend to see some of these artists that, I mean, yeah, people know them, but like, I don't know. These aren't the biggest names, right? Like the, the girl who goes by Thames or whatever her name is, that performance was trash. It was so weak. She sucked, okay? It was super boring. The songs weren't even entertaining. She was even singing, and you can tell, you know, when you go to a concert and you hear an artist sing without studio help, and it's just not good, that, that's what it was, right? Like, she can't even sing. But anyways, back to the real basketball stuff, right? That, that's what really matters. Uh, game started way too late, and I get it. You know, the NBA wants to milk as much time as possible for the viewership, but you guys do all this for a game that is usually subpar anyways these days, right? Guys aren't even trying for like 99% of the game. Even when the game was close at the end, guys are just chucking half-court shots at the end, right? Like, this this game was a, was a mockery. It was a joke. You know, I get that nobody wants to get hurt in a game that doesn't matter, but there has to be some sort of compromise, for the viewer experience like show some effort right show some effort not zero you can defend without fouling guys right without hurting guys but there's zero effort on defense and it's basically the same conversation every single year about the lack of intensity you know all of these players that idolize kobe and they love kobe and the mamba mentality and all this bs the All-Star game even changed to honor Kobe. And here these guys are, zero Mamba mentality, walking up and down the court while you watch maybe two guys run up and down and dunking by themselves. You guys love Kobe? Well, Kobe, if Kobe was alive today, he wouldn't love your effort. He'd be disappointed in how soft, in how chill, how boring this game was. You know, these players loved Kobe and Kobe would be disappointed in this game this was trash you know and, and people pay so much money to watch these games in person i mean you look at the tickets the tickets are like thousands and thousands just for a single ticket you know i don't know the details like i don't know the pricing or whatever it is but people have to fly people have to stay at a hotel it's just super extra to go to all-star weekend and i'm gonna say this you know for the most part all-star weekend was pretty successful you know, the Rising Stars game was entertaining. I like the little tournament style. You got to see some G League players, obviously. Uh, a lot of the young players, the next generation. Those games were fun. Uh, the three-point contest was fun. Uh, the dunk contest was even fun, you know? Mac McClung, obviously. And they said that he he brought the dunk contest back. I don't know if he brought it back, but, but it was an awesome contest this time around you know everything was pretty much cool i'm gonna say this though the skills challenge can they just do something else like the, the skills challenge was so lame it was it's, it's just like so i don't know it doesn't it doesn't draw my attention it feels random it feels like it's just it just makes no sense for me i feel like they need to just scrap that right figure something else out 
I don't like the skills challenge. I used to like it. It was a little, it's changed a lot over the years. Um, I don't know, you know, people want to see like one-on-one -on -one king of the court type of thing, but you know, guys care about their brand. They care about their reputation. Most likely that's just not going to be seen, right? We're probably never going to see one-on-one, -on -one, right? So if it's not that, put something else, but the skills challenge, it's, it's just not it, man. That, that's, that's my opinion. I'm not a fan of the skills challenge. Everything else was good, you know, but then the Sunday, it, you know, the main event, it, it, was, it just didn't hold up, you know, it, it just didn't work. It just didn't work. And I hope that things do change, you know, because we have this conversation every single year. You know, guys aren't trying. Guys don't care. You hear Michael Malone uh, after that game saying that it was a it was a, a glorified layup line. I think that's what Michael Malone said. I mean, there was a bunch of quotes from players from I mean, even Anthony Edwards saying, um, you know, talking about the load management in the regular season, that's a whole other problem. Um, so I don't even want to get into that. But, you know, just just a couple of thoughts on that All-Star weekend. You know, it, it, it had great moments and it just in the end of it, the Sunday, the main event, it just didn't hold up. Right. It didn't live up to the hype. Um, but, you know, that's as much time as I want to spend on that. All-Star Weekend's really not that important. Um, I would much rather see changes in the regular season. Uh, to kind of fight the war on drugs. I mean, the war on load management, <laughs> you know, um, you know, but I just want to say this uh, before I before I talk about anything else. Reason number 10 million that I love Giannis. He was everywhere on All-Star Weekend. He's one of those guys. He's just not too cool for anything. Right. Like like you see all these other players for the most part and they just act so chill. So like like they're just too cool for the moment or whatever it is they're doing. But Giannis is all in on everything he does. Right. Um, and I really like that about him. It was just a random thought. Uh, but I do want to talk maybe one last thing about this all star game that is relevant to me. OK, uh, Jason Tatum led his team in scoring with 55 points. Obviously, like I said, this game was trash. No one played defense, but here's my main point, right? His teammate led his team as a reserve with 35 points, you know? So just, it's now or never for Boston, potentially, right? That that little window they have, because Jalen Brown's final year of his contract is next year, and that's going to be a whole other thing, you know, with the, with the second best player on your team becoming an unrestricted free agent and all that complicated stuff that happens in that final year of the contract, right? So like this year is so important for the Boston Celtics. I think this will make or break what happens next season. Um, I think that if, if the Celtics are able to win the title, I think that that they can probably, there's probably more comfort with the whole Jalen Brown possibly becoming a, an unrestricted free agent next, not next season, but, the, but after that season. I just think it would, it would bring the unit closer together. You know, it would make it much easier to think about keeping it together versus if they just don't make the finals or they lose in the finals again, you know, you could start to see changes, especially because it's Jalen Brown's final year of his contract the next season. So I just thought I'd throw that out there, just something random. Um, but I do want to move on to just the other NBA news, the, some more of the relevant stuff, right? So Kevin Love officially part of the Miami Heat. What does it do for the Heat? The Heat desperately needs shooting, uh, which is strange because not too long ago they were one of the league leaders in three-point shooting, and now they find themselves struggling 
you know, uh, Duncan Robinson, just, you know, I don't know what happened to him, you know, uh, and then the streakiness just all around, right? You also have guys that just flat out don't shoot threes. Uh, you got guys like a Kyle Lowry that's just extremely streaky. You know, Jimmy Butler, obviously, not, not, not a shooter, right? Bam Adebayo, not a shooter. So you bring Kevin Love, who, yes, he's at the end of his career, but he was in the conversation for six man of the year early on, like earlier this year, like much earlier this year, which I guess it's an irrelevant conversation if you if you want to talk about what he's doing right now. Kind of lost his lost his spot in the rotation. He lost it with the with the Cavs, kind of right, um, not really needing him um, as much as they thought they did. And you know, we see Kevin Love on the Heat, so obviously he brings veteran leadership experience. He's a champion. He's going to spread the floor for the Heat. It's going to be very important because not only does he have the size, but he obviously spreads the floor. He can also rebound really well when he is anywhere near the rim. Uh, But this is going to be an important piece. I don't know if he starts. I don't know if he's coming off the bench. I don't know the details of that. I don't follow the Heat too closely, uh, but I do think it's a great addition. I think that he, when he was playing a ton for the Cavs, he was lights out, you know, so pretty important piece that the Heat just happened to pick up for free, right? I mean, this is a buyout guy that can really crack a ton of important game time on their rotation, you know? So the way I see it, I think this is a great move for the Heat. I think that this, I'm not going to say it moves the needle for them because let's be honest, I mean, Kevin Love's old. He's not defending anyone. He's a traffic cone on defense, but offensively, he definitely brings another dynamic to the team, right? He's just going to just help out with the spacing. Spacing hasn't been good, and if you have a guy like Jimmy, if you have a guy like Bam, you need spacing. You need shooting. If you don't have that, it's a disaster for the Heat. Um, It's just really clunky on the perimeter. You know, you need shooting. I mean, that goes for any team these days. If you don't have shooting, if you don't have the spacing, you're not going to win games you're, you're most likely you're not going to win a title because a lot of the title contenders they have shooting and if you can't compete with the three-point shooting even even with the efficiency from three you know because you could put up the volume but if you're just not knocking them down it's irrelevant I want to move on to you know just we haven't yet seen KD on the Phoenix Suns but I wanted to talk about you know this is the biggest threat to I mean, obviously the whole Western Conference, but specifically to the number one team in the Western Conference right now, which is the Denver Nuggets, their weakness is exactly what the Suns have in abundance now, you know, and what's that weakness? Nikola Jokic is obviously a center who plays drop coverage, meaning when there's a high pick and roll, he's going to drop far back, right? He's going to back up, kind of give you that space in the mid-range, right? So all these guys that can create in the mid-range, they can score in isolation. They're great jump shooters, pull-up shot makers. These guys are going to destroy the Denver Nuggets. You have KD, just an elite shot creator, anywhere on the floor. This is, he murders drop coverage centers. Chris Paul murders drop coverage centers. Devin Booker murders drop coverage centers. These are three guys that on any given possession will kill you in the mid-range alone, you know? Uh, High pick and roll, side pick and roll. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you have a drop coverage center, he is going to get cooked 
by guys like this, by a guy like DeMar DeRozan, just, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, you see these guys constantly put up crazy numbers on, on the Denver Nuggets. Now, they might not win those games in the regular season, but, you know, when the playoff game comes around and the possessions slow down a little bit, that drop coverage gets exposed a ton, you know, and, and that's what I see with these Phoenix Suns. You know, people just want to talk about, oh, yeah, you have three superstars that can all get a bucket. That's a simplistic way of, of explaining what I'm trying to tell you guys. You know, just three guys that are three-level scorers and are elite at punishing drop coverage centers. Um, and I just want to say that, you know, just a quick little piece on that. I just think the Denver Nuggets are really in trouble if they have to get matched up against the Phoenix Suns if it's a healthy Phoenix Suns, right? Like, that's always the big if, you know. We need to see healthy Chris Paul, healthy KD in that series, you know, for that to happen, for me to be concerned. That's the only team that if I'm the Nuggets, I'm afraid of, to be honest. I feel like you could say the Warriors. The Warriors have been a little banged up, haven't been having a good season. That's the kind of team that they just want to get into the playoffs, you know, because then it just, uh, the, the win-loss column is back to zero, right? And then they can just hone in on the opponent and, you know, you got to beat them four times. So the Warriors are probably one of those teams, you know, just a lot of perimeter scoring, that's what's going to beat a team like the Nuggets. You need to punish drop coverage centers, right? I mean, if you can do that, you're going to beat the Nuggets. You know, if you have athleticism, if you play fast, if you get up and down, it's a lot of trouble for Jokic. You know, it is. It is. Because you're you're more often than not, you're attacking a defense that, that that's playing four on five if you're running up and down the court. So, you know, uh, just one of those things. I just wanted to kind of throw it out there, talking about these Phoenix Suns. Um, you know, uh, LeBron had a quote over the weekend saying that this is going to be a stretch of like 23, these last games uh, before the playoffs come around, the play-in for these Lakers. He's saying that these are the most important games of his career, regular season-wise. You know, he's also said he doesn't want to be out of the playoffs, you know, again, right, for another season in a row. Uh, what do the Lakers have to do? I mean, they have a whole new lineup of guys now, right? What it looks like, right? Just a new batch of guys. And like I talked about on that trade pod, you know, they definitely have new life. They have energy. They have more shooting. I don't know. You know, LeBron's going to have to put it into overdrive, right? And I know that sounds crazy because he's having a crazy statistical season, but it's all going to go on one thing. If Anthony Davis is healthy... Anything is possible with this team because Anthony Davis is the ultimate mismatch against every team in the league. Um, I would say even against an Embiid, you know, if Anthony Davis is fully healthy, knocking down threes, scoring in the post, defending, doing everything that we know he can do, being the top 10, top five talent that we constantly talk about, the Lakers are still dangerous in a playoff series. But again, it's a ton of pressure in the regular season. They can't lose games anymore. They basically can't lose. You know, I mean, all these games in the Western Conference, the win-loss column, it's so damn close that you got to be perfect down the stretch. Can the Lakers stay perfect? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I haven't seen them win a bunch of games in a row. It's, you know, they're just so inconsistent. And again... If, if the shooting isn't going to be there on most nights, they're not going to win those games, you know? So it's all going to be on 
Mo Bamba, who was shooting like 40% from three, which is crazy. Uh, Malik Beasley has to be hot. He's a very streaky shooter. D'Angelo Russell, obviously, you know, close to 40% from three. He has to be consistent from three. They need the shooting from the role players. Just the role guys, if they are shooting well, it will open everything for LeBron to attack, for Anthony Davis to attack. But if these guys are attacking packed paints, they're not going to win the games because the defense has been solid for the Lakers, but the Lakers have a have an offense problem. They can't keep up with the volume shooting. You know, that's been the problem all year long, and that's not going to change from this point on. You know, just because it's all-star break and, and LeBron throws out this quote saying that these are the most important games of his career... That doesn't change how other teams are going to play, right? These teams are still going to come out and shoot 36 to 37% from three uh, as a team. And the Lakers have to respond to that, right? Both defensively and offensively, right? Like the Lakers have to bank on their defense, which has been really good, but also have to make sure they're consistent offensively or these games are just going to snowball just like they have all season long, you know? Do I never in a million years before this season started thought that I would see the Lakers right here where they're at? Did I think they were going to be a good team? I don't, I don't, I was more along the lines of they just need to make the playoffs. So I was in the mindset that these guys would be like a sixth seed, right? I think that's what I said they would be. And, you know, here they are, not even in the play-in. So, you know, just crazy stuff, you know. And then also, uh, before I get to the last part of this episode, I announced it on on the Instagram page, announced it on my personal one as well. The next video for an NBA player is going to be the Kobe video. Uh, It's taking some time for me because there's just so much that I want to put on it. I don't also want to make it a long video. I want it to be no longer than like 18 minutes. I just don't want it to drag. And I want it to have so many things, you know, I don't know. It's, It's going to be a tough video for me to make because there's so much. That I want to put on there that I'm going to have to leave out just for the sake of keeping the video as short but as good quality as possible too. Um, but yeah, you know, that's going to be that's going to be fun to put out. I can't wait to announce it on the pod when it's out. Uh, but Russell Westbrook to the Clippers, right? Like what? What's what is, you know, if this doesn't work with Russ, it was expected that he was going to get bought out and then he was going to sign with the Clippers. That's exactly what we got today. Does it fit with the Clippers? I see a ton of people that say no because the Clippers need shooting around Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. But to me, he is going to up the pace on this team. Uh, He's just going to bring more energy, more life. He also brings the potential for more turnovers. He brings the potential for just cluttered offense, right? Because he's not going to shoot well. Um, It's good for Russ that he didn't have to go anywhere, right? He doesn't have to move. He's still in LA, so it's good for him. I think... This is just like a desperation move by the Clippers. I think they feel like they were maybe like a move away from putting themselves over the top. Maybe they saw, you know, Kevin Durant going to the Suns and they felt like they had to spice things up. I don't know, you know, but most people have received this news with negativity, right? Like they, a lot, I would say most people that I've seen around don't like this move. I'm going to say this. I think the, the Clippers knew their ceiling. And they felt like it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to result in a title. And they probably just felt like they had to swing for the fences. And that's what happens when you, when you get buyout guys, right? It's just, it's just a swing for the fences, right? It's just like, uh, 
you know, you're just going for it, right? And I don't, I don't know what this is going to be like. It's going to be strange. I would say Paul George can shoot, obviously. We know that. Kawhi Leonard can shoot. There's some shooting around this team. I'm not saying that this is like knockdown three-point shooting roster, but Russ is surrounded by better shooters than he was on the Lakers, you know, and he's going to fill that John Wall slot. Now, I'm not going to say that um, that Russell Westbrook is John Wall. I'm going to say he's better than John Wall uh, just at this point in his career, you know, the numbers he puts up. And obviously, you know, he hasn't had the injuries like Wall. Um, Westbrook plays almost every game, right? Like this guy is super sustainable. He's a machine in that sense. Um, and he's just more athletic at this stage in his career. So I think that this is like a... This is just like a better John Wall right now. And I think that that's what they're banking on. I think they're banking on, we just got a better version of John Wall, right? A guy that's still going to get up and down quickly. He's going to he's gonna definitely move the ball, right? Hopefully, you would hope that he's going to find guys when he's supposed to. They're going to have to hope and pray that he doesn't become a turnover machine on that team because that's going to derail them completely. Is he going to come off the bench? Is he going to start? Who knows? You know, especially... The good thing about this is the Clippers have Ty Lue, right? So he's going to adjust as much as possible. And nobody's promising Westbrook anything, right? He was a buyout guy, which just says to you, nobody knows where his career is going to go next, right? You read all the time. If it doesn't work with the Clippers, like you're, you always see like these articles are almost ready, you know, just in case a move happens and they just post the article immediately, the article immediately. And, you know, you see like, where does Russ go if after this, if it doesn't work with the Clippers and, you know, things like that. And honestly, I don't have the answer to that. Like, I can't think of a team that Russ would go to as a starter, right? I don't think any team out there other than the Clippers right now would would even think about that right now. And I'm not saying that because I don't think he can be a starter. I just don't see how he would fit you know there's just there's just so many teams with with a ton of elite guard play that Russ would just fit off of the bench at this point you know and just I don't know you know and 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 the Lakers made him look really bad he he partly he did that to himself but but it was also a bunch of Laker propaganda a bunch of Laker propaganda, you know, just kind of throwing him under the bus and things like that. And you see the article that comes out. It's like an anonymous person from the locker room saying that he was like a vampire, whatever the case is. You know, um, I feel for Russ. I really hope it works out for him on the Clippers, even though I'm a Laker fan. I personally hope that he, I don't know, that he he changes how people view him, you know, when, when he's done playing with these Clippers this season. You know, I hope he he changes how people feel about him, what people see. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. This is the All Things Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Vic Lopez, as always, and I'll catch you guys on the next one. Yeah.